Good afternoon, everybody. This is Corey Hepler, your host for Crazy Monkey Inc.'s podcast. I'm here with the ever-fantastic and amazing creator and writer of Darum, Captain of the Stars, Jared Gifford. Jared, as always, it's fantastic having you on the show. How the hell have you been today? Oh, I'm good. I'm good. <coughs> good to be here. Well, um, what do we have on the agenda for today? Well... On the agenda today, if you go to www.crazymonkeyinc.com with a K, oh, you yes. can get some amazing comics. And I'm not just talking about amazing. Oh, I'm yeah. talking about comics like Darum, Captain of the Stars. I'm talking about the Taxi, Ca- Taxi, Taxi Cab, Cab Joe. Joe. I'm talking about Chaos God of Gore, Midnight's Avenger, Death Squad Zero. Atoli's Sh- Finder, Cherry Bullet. Cherry Bullet. You got all these fantastic comics coming out of Crazy Monkey, Inc. And, and, and ones that are still to come. Exactly. Like Candace Larkus Furious. Yeah, Cadence Larkus Furious. Cadence Larkus from Furious. From Brian Jail Glass. Brian Glass. We've um, got... Um, um, let's see. We've all, oh Romeo and Juliet: River of Blood by yeah, Stefano Cardicelli. He's hard at work on that, and that will be, that will be released sometime soon. Exactly. Um, we yeah, we got various titles. Uh, we got Vorpal from Jason Tudor. Yeah, um, Vorpal Four. Also, um, his web comic. He's throwing out pages like crazy all mm-hmm. the time. So we're really close to seeing that yeah. to its fruition stage. So so yeah, we've got we got a ton of stuff. And if you guys want to check it out, yeah, as Corey said, go to crazymonkeyinc.com. That's ink with a K. And uh, digital copies are a dollar fifty. Print copies are five. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, please check it out. There's something for everybody. We have. Stuff for adults, stuff for kids, stuff for everybody. So the whole thing is, is like, if you can't find one book that doesn't suit your fan, you're, you're sure to find something in there because we have so many from so many great creators. Exactly. Now, we got that out of the way. We have for you a fantastic show about a creator mm-hmm. who's not only, again, with the Image Founders, however, he had cemented himself as one of the most, I feel, innovative creators in the in the image company and little entourage because he brought out a comic mm-hmm. that brought new meaning to excitement. Mm-hmm. Now, do you know who I'm talking about? Yep, yep. Well, uh, it, it's, it's the one that Corey's alluding to is... Uh, Little man we like to know by the name of Jim Valentino. Yes. For those of you who aren't familiar with him, because you might, because uh, you, you know, sadly he gets overshadowed by the big guys like Todd and Rob and Jim Lee. Yeah. Um, but um, but Jim Valentino is important because of various reasons. One, he actually turned Guardians of the Ga- Guardians of the Galaxy into one of the top. Um, cosmic comics that Marvel was doing at the time. Yes, Cause, he did. Because the thing is, nobody cared about the cosmic. Line. What happened was when Jim Starlin was doing the cosmic line over at Marvel. That you know, it was huge and everyone loved it. But then when he left, and they had a whole bunch of different creators working on various different runs of Guardians of the Galaxy. Um, you know, uh, it's almost not a like lot it people, lost its flavor. Yeah, yeah. Well, a lot of people didn't really care. Jim Valentino actually helped bring interest back into that comic. 
So, you know, he, he did a really good thing there. Um, he's He'd always been really big into the indie circuit and everything. Um, so, interestingly enough, um, you know, um, you know, he was... Uh, um, he was one of those people that he was willing to do image because that meant him doing more independence and he loved doing independence. Um, he liked to work on his own stuff because yeah. he realized if he could do his own stuff that he could continue to have his own voice and be heard because let's, let's be honest mm -hmm. when it comes to Marvel and DC, having your own voice means if you bring a character about, they still have control over what you can do with that character and what you can't. Yeah. When Gimmage was founded, they all basically said, look, we've got characters that we've got, and we're going to be able to shape and mold them and voice them how we want without any provocations of um, anything yeah. standing in your way. Well, and not only that, but basically they said that they they owned everything. The whole thing was, was that, that the difference between Image and like a big company like Marvel and DC was that at Image you got to own your own creation. If you created it, you owned it. Um, the only the only way and, and the only money that they would take to keep the business alive because you know they do need the business to stay alive yeah. was they take a small percentage off the back end. And which was basically just they you know and uh, which is uh, was was uh, thirty percent overhead. Yeah, but that was it. It was that was the small percentage they would take off the back end to keep the business alive, but everything else, like you got to keep the rights to your characters, you got to keep all the merchandising rights, you got to make any movie or television deals. That was all on you. You didn't have all these studios doing it, and basically, like, like at Marvel Studios, it's the Marvel company that gets all the credit. Yeah. Um, whereas. If you do a movie off of like an image title that's based off something you created, that's all on you. You're not gonna have you're not gonna have like Todd McFarlane's not gonna interfere. You know Jim Valentino, Jim Lee, uh, Mark Silvestri, none of them. None of them are gonna interfere with you because if you've made a deal, that's all on you. And Jim Valentino really mm -hmm. loved that part of being with Image because yeah. he felt. Uh -huh. That his creations um, were exponential. They were mm -hmm. they were these creations that, when you read them, you could definitely tell this was Jim Valentino writing it, along mm -hmm. with every other image writer. Mm -hmm. You can look at like different DC and Marvel writers, and you can see okay, this guy's voice kind of sounds the same as this guy, but not so with Image because you got all these fantastic writers, oh, yeah. and you can tell. When you're reading a Spawn character, you're, you know, you, you're reading Todd, Todd McFarlane. McFarlane. When, yeah. when it's Spawn, it's Todd McFarlane. When it's Cyber Force, it's Mark Silvestri. Exactly. And, 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 and that's what I want to get into, Jim Valentino's big title that he had over at Image. His first title that he did with them was a little comic called Shadowhawk. Yeah. And for those who aren't familiar with Shadowhawk, it was basically... Jim Valentino had this whole thing, because like, uh, he said that so many people... Uh, and, and you know, and once again, I mean, I'll admit, I mean, I, I, I like Batman, but one, one, but Jim Valentino was one of the few people who actually was willing to go and say, "Listen, uh, I don't like the whole idea of Batman." And what he told, what he told them was that the whole thing is, is what, uh, what he, what he didn't like about Batman was he said that Batman would basically go, go in, beat up the bad guy after they murdered a guy, throw him in Arkham, the guy would escape, 
then another body count would mount up, and eventually you just hit, you know, the body count would just keep mounting up and mounting up and mounting up, and, you know, for the longest time, nothing would get done about it. Yeah. So he said he basically found, you know, and, and, and you know, a lot of people find this harsh, and once again, I'm not saying this is my opinion, but this was Jim Valentino's opinion, was that Batman basically was kind of, oh, was was really bad at what he did. And so, so well, I, I know, I, I know, and I get yeah, it. Yeah. What I'm saying is that, you don't have to agree with him, but that was his whole thing. Anyway, uh-huh. when he created Shadowhawk, basically he wanted him to be everything that he thought Batman should be. And Shadowhawk is basically he's got this kind of this 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 metal suit that basically that's if you punched real, him, it's really cool. Yeah, it's seriously. really cool looking. And, and if a guy like if a guy was to punch him, it'd break their hand. Mm-hmm. If he was trying to go for the face, it would cut it up. Um, and I like you know, the fact that you say that Jim Valentino, yeah. he made Shadowhawk um, as a complete opposite of Batman because mm-hmm. he felt that Batman should have been what Shadow Shadowhawk was. Well, and that's what he did when he eventually when we created him. Yeah. Like the, and 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 one of the things he uh, he, he did was this was really, was unique to his character, but you could actually say it was effective because. Mm-hmm. Shadowhawk actually also didn't. Uh, well, I mean, uh, for the most part, uh, he didn't actually kill the bad guys, but what he did was he completely incapacitated them. He'd, he'd break their spines. Mm-hmm. His MO was that he'd break their spines. And basically the whole point is, for those who know, um, very rarely do you not come out paralyzed from a spinal inner- injury. And I gotta give it to Jim Valentino because what's interesting, when he came out with Shadowhawk, while it was a fantastic idea, mm-hmm. he got a lot of shit for it. Oh yeah, and that's what I'm saying. Well, well all the image creators got shit for it, uh, for one way or the other. I mean, you know, um, you know, one could say that Todd McFarlane, because he was getting shit for Spawn by basically ever saying, "Oh, he's just basically Spider-Man from Hell." Um, yeah, and that's basically and, the same thing they yeah. were writing with Shadowhawk and Batman. Yeah, yeah, they were basically they were, <laughs> they, what they were saying with Shadowhawk was that basically Shadowhawk was a more violent Batman. And um, he, he was typically, yeah. but he but Shadowhawk was so but much he also, more. But he also had his own personality. Yeah. Um, you know, and uh, but you can say that with most other characters, you know. I mean, so you know, but the thing is, they got flack in the day. But the whole thing is, they stuck to their guns. It was great. And then you know, Jim Valentino, what I like about him. And he even saw this in his characters when he was doing the characters himself. Yeah. Was he always had this whole, like, he, you could tell that he was very much into independent comics. Mm-hmm. You, you can tell that Jim Valentino was sort of, like, um, like carrying the torch for that. Um, Jim Valentino, um, you know, uh, for those who don't know, he, he follows the indie crowd. Um in fact, um, you know, in in in, in fact, uh, you know, I, I you know, um, there was various other. Uh, what happened was, for those, so we had gone over the image story before. Yeah, we but, had. Uh, but to re- but to recap slightly, what happened was in the late '90s, the biggest draws at Image, which was Rob Liefeld and Jim Lee, they left. What happened was Rob Liefeld quit, and Jim Lee, his Wildstorm Studios was bought out by DC. Yeah. Anyway. A lot, the majority of the books they were making were coming from those two studios. And when they left, there was not so much left in Image. What happened was, so many people would have just walked away, called it a day, and basically said, okay, well, we're going to have to fold the company. But not them. But not them. No, they kept on going, and you got to hand it to Jim Valentino. Jim Valentino was one of the ones who stepped up, said, okay, I'll be publisher. Mm -hmm. And Jim Valentino actually helped... 
um, get a lot of really cool uh, new books signed. Because uh, a lot of people will say this too, and this is so true. You had an image before um, Jim Valen uh, before Jim Valentino was publisher, and then there was image after. And um, for the short period that Jim Valentino was publisher, because I think he was publisher for about four years. Yeah, about four years. Um, anyway, um, but uh, he was the one who kind of started this template, and they just worked their way through the years. Was He started the template of basically, we're not going to have a house style. It's not going to be superhero-oriented, no spandex stuff. I mean, yeah. you can have that if you want to, but the whole point is, is that his philosophy became, we just want good books by good creators. And that was really commendable. Yeah. Because he felt that if you had a great story, mm -hmm. and no matter how violent or how crazy it was... As long as it was good. Yeah, it, it should they be would told. Put, they would, yeah, they, well, they would put it under the image banner. Exactly. Um, and they've been doing that ever since because, well, it was just those, those few that had started image. Yeah. As the years went on, they started bringing on creators that had the same vision as them and you can tell with the image catalog that we have mm -hmm. now it has grown exponentially to well, creators that yeah. have the same vision and it's amazing well even if people have completely different visions what it came down to was good books as said by good creators exactly um the whole point is is that when you when image first started it was very much that that sort of superhero kind of thing. Not that it was a bad thing, but was what it was was that you kind of had this kind of style. It was very, um, it was very much sort of in competition with DC and Marvel. Yeah. When Jim Valentino took over as publisher, you didn't have that anymore. Well, basically, what he had was basically we're doing like, our own thing. Like, oh, you want to do a non-superhero book? Cool. As long as the story is great. I mean, let me let me tell people this. There's there's a big there's a big name in comics nowadays. A uh, guy by the name of Robert Kirkman. Now, what they don't know, and here's part of the story a lot of people don't look into, or or the ones that they care at least do, yeah. um, is that Robert Kirkman, um, back in the day, yeah, was this no-name no -name indie guy who... Um, I think he was he uh, he was uh, the uh, at the time the only thing he was he was self publishing his own book called Battle Pope. Yeah, which is um, funny as hell. If oh, you guys yeah. get a chance to check it out. Oh yeah. In fact, eventually they, it, they ended up uh, re-releasing it under the image title. But basically, yeah, uh, he started out with Battle Pope, and anyway, what happened was he was pitching this. Um, he had kind of had a slight seminal hit was uh, with with Invincible. Yeah, because Invincible was part of an initiative to get some more superhero books on the line. Anyway, he kind of had a, a somewhat of a hit with that. Um, anyway, he was pitching this black and white zombie book to Jim Valentino. Mm -hmm. um, at the time, Jim Valentino was was wasn't quite so sure about it, but but anyway. Um, but anyway, I mean, as the story goes, this is kind of the funny part of the story, is that uh, at first, Jim Valentino wasn't quite so sure, because <laughs> even he, he was saying, um, and, and this is kind of the truth, is he said that zombie books don't sell, you know, um, you know, it's like, uh, you know, we need a hook to get this, to get people to want to buy this book. Yeah. Um, and anyway, what happened was uh, Robert Kirkman <laughs> came up with, 
what what is now known throughout the comics industry is basically like he came he he, he uh, a lot of people know this is that he lied to Jim Valentino to get him to publish Walking Dead. Oh yeah. Um, he 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 told him the story that basically the hook of Walking Dead was that basically it was actually going to be about aliens invading. And that basically what happened was that the aliens were basically unleashing the zombies on the people because this was like a prelude to a big invasion. Um, and then, um, and then uh, Jim Valentino kind of accepted the book based on that. Uh, but then the funny thing was is that, uh, you know, he, he was still kind of skeptical. But then, you know, at first Walking Dead kind of only had minimal sales. But what happened was... Walking Dead had this kind of slow meteoric climb. Mm -hmm. Every issue would do better than the last one. Like you know, Robert Kirkman even says today, you you said they ask him what's the best selling issue of Walking Dead thus far, and he'd be like the current one, and they're like, <laughs> what about the what is like what about before that, the one before it. <laughs> It was like because it really wasn't definitive because yeah. every issue yeah. that superseded the last one did a better. And it had more sales, so he really yeah. couldn't pinpoint to one because, like, yeah. everyone after was well, doing well, so well, much well, better. I like what Jim Valentino like... had actually said in a recent interview. Um, for those who don't know it, and I'm hey, I'm gonna I don't mind plugging something else on this one, but if you um, but if you're ever on YouTube, uh, look up um, yeah, look up Im um, Image Comics uh, so much damage. Mm -hmm. The 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 it, yeah. It's, um, and it's basically this little cool documentary that they did for sci-fi, and it basically goes into the history of Image Comics. Yeah. And anyway, um, but uh, one of the things that Jim Valentino had actually even said in that one, which I think is great, is he basically said that if Robert Kirkman had at least told him what it was really about, because he said it wasn't just a zombie book, what is mm -hmm. it? Cause like, um, if he would have told him that it was about a father and a son surviving against incredible odds... Mm -hmm. Um, he would have accepted it based on that because Jim Valentino said, you know, he's a father, so he would have got that angle, exactly. and he would have accepted the book based on that. But you know, the funny thing is, is he said that, yeah, Robert Kirkman lied to him three times to get Walking Dead out. See, and what's interesting about that is the fact that after it came out and they and they found the fame and the excitement in it that mm -hmm. it had gained such. Immense traction. Uh -huh. the, the, freaking, he didn't care after that. He was just like, "Hey, it's doing well. I don't care that you lied well, to me." Oh yeah. <laughs> well, no. In fact, uh, in fact, all of them. He said, forgave him. Well, in fact, all of them said this. Uh, you know, all the creators have said this, and they basically said that, like, uh, with the, uh, you know, and then and it's a good thing that Jim Valentino uh, had helped discover him, but like, um, but. What happened was, is like, uh, basically, what happened with, with Walking Dead was that Robert Kirkman basically became the peak. What's yeah. so funny is, when, when Image was first created, people thought of the Image founders, the creator, the original founders as the peak. That was, that was as high as you could go. Yeah. Well, basically, even they say this now, um, the, the other guys, they say that, no, Robert Kirkman... Is now the example that 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 the shining example of image of how image works. Um, I, I really like that because if you look at The mm -hmm. Walking Dead mm -hmm. when it came out as just a comic, mm -hmm. and then how it grew into a TV series that now has eight seasons. Yeah, you really have to. 
bow in a way at the awe that mm -hmm. Robert Kirkman had the balls to not only lie to him three times, yeah, but to continue on with it because yeah. you know the, the zombie trope had been you, you know it had been kind even, of done even, before a little bit. Well, but, not only that, it actually been played out. The thing is, the thing was, and this is where. Robert Kirkman's success, you could tell that he's a genuinely talented writer because of the fact of this. The zombie trope, even at that point, in early 2004, had been played out. Yeah, people were Mo tired of it. Mo most people were tired of it. A lot of people weren't really into much zombie movies anymore. I mean, they were still around, but uh, but yeah, it wasn't like... The thing was, the zo uh, zombie stuff had been played out by that point. Mm-hmm. Um, but somehow he was able to make it work, but that but I can tell you why, and that was because he had great characterizations. It was the characters you fell in love with. Yeah, it wasn't the zombies. The, the zombies, the zombies were less. just a backdrop. The zombies yeah. were just a backdrop to everything else. They were fodder. The story was really about a father and a son. And them um, trying to survive. Mm-hmm. Exactly. So, um, so, so, you know, and then kudos to Jim Valentino for recognizing that, for recognizing talent where he saw it. And that's what I'm saying, is that he actually helped get a lot of people signed. Um, another part of the story was Jim Valentino was another way, I mean, he, he helped, uh, discover guys like, um, uh, like, 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 uh, like when Brian Michael Bendis and, uh, Michael Oming did Powers. Yeah. Um, Powers is another part of the story, um, and, and, uh, um, and, and that was another part of, because uh, whether it was The Walking Dead, Powers was also a part of that. Mm -hmm. And that, and those two books represented the, the future of Image. Um, because as I, as I was saying before, there was Image before Jim Valentino took over as publisher, and then there was Image After. And like I said, Jim Montino only had four years as publisher, but it was almost like his template kind of survived through the ver for the various guys um, after that. Um, and then, after, you know, um, but so you got to give him credit, you know. Um, and then, and even today, um, he still uses his own label, Shadowline, mm -hmm. as a way to help promote indie, uh, in, in, um, indie comics. Um, one of your favorite comic books comes from Shadowline, which is Jim Valentino's label. Mm -hmm. um, Rat Queens. Yay. Yeah, Rat Queens comes from the Shadowline label. Mm -hmm. By the way, if you haven't heard me plug Rat Queens in the past 20 or so episodes that we've done this, yeah. um, if you get a chance to, uh, look up Rat Queens. Uh, the first five volumes are out of Rat Queens. It's about four female bounty hunters that go around Palisade and they go and they slay dragons, goblins, all sorts of cool shit. So if you get a chance, pick that up. It's through the shadow line line that Jim Valentino had brought out through Image. And if you want to just see the amazingness that Jim Valentino had brought about, mm -hmm. not only do that, but... You gotta pick up Shadowhawk. I, I I can't say enough about this comic yeah. and how amazing it is. Well, I said, and that's you know, not only just his stuff, because like I said, because because he did, as we said, he did Shadowhawk, he did Guardians of the, Gal uh, mm -hmm. Guardians of the Galaxy, of the Galaxy. But but then, like I said, but then he helped bring other creators uh, into his own studio with him, because like I said, because uh, Curse J Weeb um, does Rad Queens, and oh. that's run out of Shadowline, which Jim mm -hmm. Valentino, that's his studio. Mm -hmm. Another one, um, and. 
you know, I'm, I have a brain fart as to who created it. I'm going to have to look it up later. I apologize for this. You're but it's still an awesome comic book. Another one that goes out of shadow line, it's a really awesome one, is a, is a comic book called Peter Panzerfaust. And for those who aren't familiar with it, and I can tell by your face that you're not familiar with it. I have no No, idea. no, but you actually will like this. It's actually kind of a cool idea that they came about, is mm -hmm. that basically it's the story of Peter Pan, but it's more of a what-if... What if Peter Pan and the characters were in a World War II setting? That's kind of cool. Yeah, hence why it's called Peter Panzer Faust. Um, oh, okay. So Panzer, you know, like the tank and all that. And, yeah. You know, the, um, and then you know, um, so yeah, um, and then um, and then basically Captain Hook they have is this sort of real kind of demented German soldier. Um, it's really really good. It's you know, um, it, it, it it's. Interesting enough, it's still true to the J.M. Barry Peter Pan classic, mm -hmm. but at the same time, put in this World War II scenario, it's got this real kind of cool wartime feel to it. Now, for anybody that doesn't know German, Panzer is a type of tank that the Germans had in World War II, and Faust is basically a ghost. So, Panzerfaust... Well, um, um, well, it has it has uh, two. It has dual meanings. Yeah, obviously. dual meanings because 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 uh, because Faust can also um, Faust can also mean someone who's fake. Yes, yeah. So um, you, you basically got this fake persona. But but yeah, so uh, mm -hmm. but um, uh, but, but but like I said, so I would suggest that. But either way, um, no, like I said, you know, um, and, and he's very very supportive of the indie crowd, um, you know, um. I, I I haven't got to engage with him a whole lot, but the few times I actually have got to engage with him, he actually seems like a genuinely cool kind of um, down to earth guy. Down, yeah, down to earth guy. Um, you know, um, very loud about his opinions, mind you. <laughs> very loud about his opinions, but I respect the man for that. I, I, I would expect him to be like yeah. that because you look at the comics that he makes, and they're yeah. very loud as well. Yeah, but what I will say about him is this: is that he's He's never rude. Um, he's he's not one of those he's not one of those guys that when you if you go and meet him he he treats you as if you you are a, you're a disease. He doesn't do that. He's a I, I you know it's like I I've I've seen his interactions with fans and he's actually he's actually very good with his fans. I mean he may not like to do as many appearances as like the other big image guys. Yeah, but. Whenever he does, he's very respectful and he's very good to the people that love his work and love what he does. Now, sidestepping some image stuff, we've got um, a few things we need to discuss. Mm -hmm. Now, with Gaspar taking some holiday time away mm -hmm. to stop doing some production on some Crazy Monkey Ink stuff, I do have a bit of good news. Uh-huh. Now, um, the project that I'm going to be doing in the summertime that is going to be done by a completely different artist, um, I've got him picked out, and he said that he's going to help out with it, and it's going to be a little Ashcan 10-page comic yeah. um, that is going to be, come out, can be, be coming out as a set of eight, mm -hmm. and then it's going to be compiled into an anthology. Nice. And what this is, is it's a, each little comic is a 10-page short 
-hmm. horror story. And each horror story builds on the next until you get this grandiose at the very end. You find out what the real horror is all about. Oh, nice. And I don't have a title for it yet because I'm dumb. (laughs) It's okay. But the concept is fleshed out and you should be getting the entirety of it by November of next year. Oh, no, that's good. That's good. And, and Either way, it sounds like it's going to be good, um, and, and, you know, and, and, and I think that'd be awesome to read, like I said, you know, and, uh, you know, hopefully by then you come up with the title. <laughs> I, I would hope that yeah. that would be the case. Now, yeah. I do have something that mm-hmm. I think is amazing because I've been talking to you about it yes. for quite a few weeks. I, I would like you to give the listeners just a tiny bit more of a backstory on what exactly the Ronan brothers is going to bring. <laughs> I, knew you were gonna, I knew you were going to bring that up because, <laughs> because, uh, that, um, for those listening, um, I had told Corey about this before, uh, is that, uh, I'm on the last issue of, I mean, not, the, not the last issue of the whole thing, mind you. What are you talking about but, the story but arc? The story arc. Yeah, yeah. I'm on the last issue of the story arc of Darren that I'm doing. And then once I'm done with this particular story arc, I'm going to be starting on Ronan Brothers right away. Yes. And um, which I'm extremely excited. About. And and then I'm going to be doing a ten issue introductory story arc for that. Mm-hmm. Um. Anyway, um, I'm guessing that you're going to want at least uh at least what I can share with with people. Well, you, you will. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Just give us a tiny little tease. Well, no, no, it's okay. It's okay. A little poke. Uh, I, I can, I can, I can, you know, I can give you, a, I can give you guys a synopsis without giving too much away. Okay. Um, but basically, the heart of the story is going to be about two samurai brothers, mm-hmm. um, who, um, who they're actually they were actually in service to their father, and their father was their was was their master. Mm-hmm. Anyway, their father is brutally murdered by a crime lord. Well, there you go. And um and this but and for those that don't know, this is based during feudal Japan in the 16th century roughly. Mm-hmm. Um actually I, I believe I'm, actually 17th century was where I'm actually basing it. Yeah, you said something about the 17th century. 17th century. Um anyway, um their their father is killed and uh you know and it's not just a simple quest for revenge. That's part of it, but um, but also in their travels to find this guy who killed their father, um, they also help out other villages from like supernatural threats, mm-hmm. demons. Um, think of for for those who uh, for those who are like old old school samurai film fans. Think of like Yojimbo, Seven Samurai. Um, you know, uh, things like Hidden Fortress. Yes. Um, maybe even, um, uh, uh, Blind Swordsman, mm-hmm. um, kind of thing. Lots of really cool, you know, samurai fights and action sequences. Um, and, uh, and then also, um, for those who maybe are a little bit more familiar with maybe, say, the anime genre. Mm-hmm. Think of Ninja Scroll, but with Samurai instead of Ninja. Now, if anybody's familiar with Ninja Scroll and how amazing it is, 
You're going to want to check this out. Oh, yeah. Uh, well, Ninja Scroll, I mean, many of us, this, you know, a lot of people have the animes that they say they cut their teeth on. And, like, you know, if, uh, like, for me, one of, you know, there are several things I cut my teeth on when I was getting into anime. One was Vampire D, another one was Captain Harlock, but then the other one was Ninja Scroll. Yes. <laughs> and Ninja Scroll is, yeah, one of those things that so many people grew up on. And that's what I'm saying. So with Ronan Brothers, think of that. Uh, that might be a better reference point for for those who aren't familiar with, say, the black and white samurai films. Yes. Um, the, um, the one that they would probably get is basically, think of Ninja Scroll, but with samurai instead of ninja. Nice. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, and then, yeah, that's basically going to be the whole thing. It's going to be this cool sort of um, Asian epic story. Um, and, you know, if the theme in Darum was basically sort of a father-son theme. Yes. Um, Ronan Brothers is definitely going to be more about about brothers. It's going to mm-hmm. be about uh, not just brothers, but brotherhood. Now, I really like the premise, and I'm looking forward to that like crazy. Oh yeah, it's, I mean, it's, it's going to be you know for those who for for those who really love that kind of thing, they're they're in for a treat. They're going to love a lot of the stuff in it. Um, and, and I'm hoping that maybe even just people who aren't familiar with samurai stuff might have something that, to draw them in and get them into it, you know, because it's going to have some cool, fun elements to it. Now, I got a personal question. What's that? When you think of writing a comic mm-hmm. and say you want to captivate an audience with mm-hmm. the type of idea and type of comic that you bring about, what are some key elements that you rattle around in your brain that you feel each of your comics um, has to have in order to catch an audience's eye? Well, the way I first kind of started out is that first first I think of like, well, what's a concept that I think would be really cool to do that that uh, that I feel like maybe hasn't been tapped into? Like in the case of like Darum, there's not a whole lot of space pirate comic books out there, if you've not noticed. Really? You know, it was like uh, for the longest time, um, like like I, you know you know how like I'm a huge Captain Harlock fan. Mm-hmm. Well, I would like read some of the stuff and then watch some of the anime and stuff, and it's like, why is there not more stuff like this? You know, and, and why is this not more popular? Exactly. <laughs> and so and so I kept thinking to myself, I was like, well, if nobody else is, you know, I was just sitting there like for years and years and years, I was waiting for somebody else to do it. Yeah. And then so I would just came down to it was like, oh, if nobody else is going to do it, I might as well. Um, and uh, anyway, when I come up with a concept, uh, first off, I come up with one of those cool things is, okay, well, what, what do I think is really cool? Yeah. And then, and then once I've got the concept, then in terms of, in terms of selling it, um, first off, what I think of is, okay, uh, what I need is characters that people care about. Yes, who, I could, mean, who they can relate to. Yeah, I mean, um, hence uh, hence why, uh, you know, you have a lot of dialogue between the characters and these issues. Mm-hmm. Um, and then uh, another thing I do is that, um, is that I know that you can't just hold... Um, you can't just hold an audience's attention with just 
interesting characters. Now, that's a part of it, but the whole thing is, it's like... Well, the story has to be engaging as well. Yeah, well, that's what I'm saying. You have to have... Things have to happen. Things have to feel like they're going at a constant pace. And hence why you see in many of my Darum issues why you may have these pages full of dialogue, but then immediately following that, you have, like, an action scene come up, and then things happen, you know? Yeah. Um, I'll give an example. Like, first issue of Darum... You know, you're introduced to the characters, you're introduced to their duties and what they do, but then an anomaly pops up. And, and uh, you know, and, and just spoilers for those who haven't read issue number one, um, but it's available, still check it out, love it. And uh, anyway, um, but, uh, you know, but like I said, they, they get a signal and then that, that kind of keeps you interested because you're wondering what the hell is it. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, before you know it, it's bam. They run into the, the they they run into this sort of uh, this this because what happens with they only they don't pick up the ships themselves they only pick up like a distortion signal yeah and so what happens is they don't really know what it is mm -hmm. they don't know if it's a group of ships they don't know what the hell it is they just know they picked up a distortion um and anyway what happens is the enemies reveal themselves it's like a huge fleet of pirates. Um, so cold, and um, <laughs> yeah. anyway, um, they they attack the ship and slaughter the crew. Um, Darren's able to hide himself away, um, and, and in fact um, is believed to be the only survivor. Yeah. Um, and he then um, uh, what happens is uh, he then basically. Uh, is picked up by a pirate ship that's um, captained by a um, by an alien named Dermire. Yes. Um, and then Dermeyer becomes sort of like almost a second father figure to him mm -hmm. because Dermeyer teaches him about um, how he can how he can serve how how he can serve the best kind of justice, but do it in a way that's either that's both not going to get him killed and then also um you know is not just sort of like some sort of stupid run and gun kind of thing so he tries to teach him how to be more tactful exactly um and uh and, and anyway so basically uh but but that's what happens is in the in the issues you'll get just enough character development so that you know what's going on, mm -hmm. so that you're engaged in what the characters are doing, but then I throw in enough action because I know that people are, you know, if I have a book that's just straight story set up mm -hmm. with, with, with these characters, they, they get bored. They get bored, mm -hmm. you know? At some point, you're gonna have to, you're gonna have to throw in some action sequences. Exactly. And that's what's gonna keep people engaged. Um... And so I, I, like I said, I think it would depend on that. Like that's what I do with Darum. Um, some of my other stories, like, um, you know, um, like, uh, like I, I um, I'm not gonna give too much weight on this title, but, but it's something I, uh, I'd like to bring up. But like, like when I was writing for the graphic novel of Death Unicorn, mm -hmm. um, in uh, in that one, um, the the thing that's sort of the hook of it is is I don't have to just rely on I don't have to just rely on great characterization or even action sequences. 
since it's also a comedy, mm-hmm. as long as I'm keeping the jokes going, yeah. um, I can actually have a long gap between action sequences. Not that there are any, yeah. but but what I'm saying is, is there's no pressure to come up with that kind of stuff. The whole because point it's is, constantly is, engaging. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. As long as I keep the gags going, mm-hmm. the whole thing is, is people are still engaged. They're like, oh, okay, this is still hilarious, so I don't care that action's not happening right now. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, it still happens, but as I said, it just it's a different kind of flow. And then um and then with Ronan Brothers, the kind of theme I'm going for, um, and eventually when I start writing it, is that I want it to feel like like the older samurai movies. Mm-hmm. Um but intermixed with some of the sort of modern supernatural anime stuff. Exactly. Um, so, so basically, what, what you're gonna have is sort of almost this, um, almost like, well, kind of like what they did with those old samurai movies. Almost kind of this western kind of feel to it. Mm-hmm. Um, almost like you know, uh, guns at high noon and kind of thing. You know? Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, uh, almost like the old Clint Eastwood movies. You know. Um, which, hilariously enough, were based off a lot of the old samurai films. This is true. <laughs> you know, for those that don't know, um, the um, the Man with No Name trilogy, things like um, things like Fistful of Dollars for a few dollars more and The Good, the Bad, the Ugly, um, they're uh, they're actually based, uh, well, at least inspired by. They're inspired by the the. Uh, uh, the uh, Yojimbo movies. Mm-hmm. They are. Because they had two movies, Yojimbo and Sanjiro, and they were both based on this uh, wandering samurai who uh, basically would go in, uh, would go in, uh, go into town, well, like, well, he would go into town, um, and, like, one town was, like, pretty much um, being ruled by these two different sort of, um, um, like thug samurai factions. Yeah. Um, and uh, basically, um, he come he comes in, helps free the town. He makes it seem as if he doesn't care about the town or the villagers, and that he only cares about money. Yeah. But really, but but he's he's kind of one of the things that encapsulates what they call anti-hero. Is that basically you know he cares, but he pretends like he doesn't. Mm-hmm. Now. Yeah. I have a question. What's that? Going back to Jim Valentino. Mm-hmm. Here's a really interesting, hard question for some people to uh, mm-hmm. stomach. Is how do you feel Image would have been had Jim Valentino not stepped up to the plate and become their publisher? Well, especially in the Durant period. Well, yeah, um, I I think that Image wouldn't be as groundbreaking as it is today. Um, the thing was was that now, and I'm not saying that these are bad titles. I want people to understand me understand what I'm saying. This I'm not saying these are bad titles. I'm not saying that that they don't have their place. But what happened was if they had kept going with the same shtick that they had done before, mm-hmm. you know, superhero based books yeah um they weren't gonna last they were gonna go under yeah 
And so Jim Valentino's very innovative in that regard. He, he stepped he he stepped up to the plate. Um, he pretty much he pretty much said, "Well, why don't we just let people write the kind of comics that they want to write?" You know, not everybody wants to write superheroes. This is true. So why don't we let people do some some action adventure comics, some sci-fi comics, some some romance comics, some you know. Uh, some mythical sort of supernatural comics. So diversify the company, yeah. basically. Yeah, the whole thing is is that he basically made it to where you didn't have to have a certain genre you were pushing. Um, all you had to have was a was a good concept and 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 a good book. The whole thing is you had to make sure. Yeah, you know, the whole thing is is that you just had to make sure that that your book was good if it was good image would take it exactly so and, so you really got to give it to jim for yeah. basically cementing image as to where they are right now oh yeah well the, their current publisher um eric stevenson he actually used to work for jim valentino mm -hmm. um he um he was um um uh, he was like one of the the head editors during the time when um, when Jim Valentino was publisher. This is true. And and like I said, he kind of followed in his footsteps. And 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 in fact, like I said, in two thousand eight, he took over as publisher. Uh, for those that don't know, I'm going to give a brief history. Jim Valentino was publisher from ninety nine to uh, two thousand four. Mm -hmm. um, so I guess about five year period. Yeah. Um. And uh, from 2004 to 2008, um, Eric Larson was actually publisher. Yes. Um, and that's kind of a sore spot for both of them. They they worked it out and they're they're friendly now. But uh, but what happened was um, Jim Valentino and Eric Larson kind of uh, had a little bitter debate as to how Image was was to be run. Because what happened was Jim Valentino was great because Jim Valentino brought in a lot of great independent creative voices yes he did and uh eric larson though was basically saying while some good books came of that there was there was also some stuff that wasn't quite so good and he said that jim valentino's um contacts were very much with the indie crowd um and he said that um eric larson decided he was going to step in and be publisher because he had a lot more of the con the contacts in DC and Marvel, and he said one of the things that they needed, in addition to good new creators, yeah. was they needed some good established creators because they would help bring in the money. Now, and, how did this fare for Jim Valentino? Well, um, Jim Valentino, um, you know, he said he was he was uh, he, um, he was a little angry. Uh, he was a little angry and bitter about it for a while. Mm -hmm. um, you know, he said it was a power play by Eric Larson, um, and it was a sore spot for a while. But he actually has said, uh, and if if you watch the image documentary I mentioned, um, he actually has said, "Oh, they're good now. Mm -hmm. They're good now." But it was it was still a sore spot for him. Yeah. Um, no, he wasn't happy to step down. Um, but uh, but one thing that Eric Larson helped did bring about, and I at least got to give him some credit, is that he helped bring in some bigger names. He did. Image. Um, and I think Eric Eric Stevenson, when he took over as publisher, he kind of took both the philosophy of both 
Jim Valentino and Eric Larson. Kind of mix them together. Kind of mix them together because he he also likes he also wanted to have new good creative people come to Image, but then he also had like a list of people he wanted to bring over to Image that were from big companies. Like like he's he's the one one of the guys who helped bring in guys like guys like uh, Brian K. Vaughn. Yes. Ed Brubaker. Mm-hmm. Um you know, uh, um, hold on, uh, um, uh, uh, Grant Morrison. Oh, yeah, um, Grant Morrison's freaking amazing. Oh, yeah. Um, you know, uh, 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 Matt Fraction. Mm-hmm. Um, um, Kelly Sue DeConnick. Um. This is true, yeah. Um, also, um, um, uh, uh, but, uh, various other people that I can't remember right now, <laughs> but but he 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 brought in he helped bring in some of those big time creators, but at the same time he was supportive of the indie creators as well and wanted new people to uh, come uh, come up. So I think what Eric Stevenson did, and I think this is why he's one of the best publishers right now at Image, mm-hmm. and I don't think he's leaving anytime soon because oh, he's been, he's been publisher since two thousand eight, and that's like ten years. And he's been doing a bang up yeah. job since. Oh yeah. So um, I think he kind of took both the philosophies of both Jim Valentino and Eric Larson because, uh, you know, basically he brings in some good, great indie creators, but then he balances it out by bringing in some big-time guys who can help bring a lot more recognition to image. Um, so, like I said, I think it's good. and It's like a healthy but, balance of both. But what I said is what I give Jim Valentino full credit for was he's the one who started that ball rolling. The whole thing is, is if Jim Valentino hadn't stepped up to the plate back in 99, shortly after um, both Rob Liefeld and Jim Lee had left, yeah. I think Image would have folded. Image would have been a footnote in comics history. Mm-hmm. And then people would be like, well, you we don't want to be Image, you know. <laughs> they're the, you know, they're that group that thought they could take on the big guys and they lost. So you really got to give it to Jim Valentino because he was basically the glue at the time. Uh, that yeah. kept Image alive in a way. Oh yeah, exactly. I mean, the whole thing is, is that um, he, as I said, he helped. He helped sort of build the foundation of what Image is today. And you, and in closing for Jim Valentino, mm-hmm. he's an amazing person. He knows exactly how to get the reader's attention. He has yeah. a great. Great contacts, his fantastic comics, and when it comes down to it, mm-hmm. he's just somebody that has probably some of the best business sense mm-hmm. in Image. Oh, yeah. Once again, you know, it's like, uh, so, you know, I mean, well, and it's probably because of his age. He's actually the oldest out of the Image founders. And he's, and he's mm-hmm. uh, probably more seasoned than a lot of them. Oh, yeah, well, he was already a veteran by the time the other guys were coming up. Yeah. Um, so he had a lot of prowess to bring yeah, to the crowd. Yeah, yeah exactly. Um, so he had the experience. Um, so, yeah, so we can end on that and basically uh, end on the note by basically saying without Jim Valentino, um, I don't think Image would be around today. So, as you said, he's sort of like the glue of all the uh, original founders. Yeah. Um, and uh, I guess that can segue now into our book recommendations. Sounds amazing. Um, do you want to start or should I? Um, I started last time. You do it. Okay. 
Well, um, for my book recommendations, um, in terms of uh, novels, I would say, well, let's see, so many, so many good ones, and it's just so hard to think of it. Um, what? Um, you know what? I'm gonna, I'm gonna do one, and it's got some of the greatest lines in it. Named, stole some lines from it in, in Star Trek Two. I'm going to go with Moby Dick. Mo uh, Moby Dick, uh, for those that aren't familiar, is the story of a captain who's pursuing this white whale. Yeah. And it's become his obsession because what happened was the, uh, he'd been attacked by the white whale, survived it. Mm -hmm. And he's just, he's obsessed with killing this whale because because it's just become one of those things that he has to defeat this thing. Exactly. He's not going to let it humiliate him. And... um. And, and and it's a really good story about where where obsession can take you. Exactly, and where it's you know, where it becomes the unhealthy factor. Yeah, so that's my novel recommendation. Um, for my um, comic book recommendation, um, let's see. Once again, so many so many ones that spring to mind uh, automatically. Is, uh, so hard. Well, we are um, comic writers, so well, you know. this is true. <laughs> oh, I'm gonna suggest this. Okay. And it's Jack Kirby too, so it's so you know definitely we're checking out. So why um, not? Um, I would check out the uh, the entire New Gods saga that he had created in the 1970s. Yes. That's when you started getting the gods of New Genesis. Mm -hmm. That was when Dark Side was created. Yes. Yeah, one of the best villains in the DC uh, DC universe. Freaking heck yes. <laughs> Even probably on par with the freaking Joker. Oh yeah, and well, and in terms of power, uh, and in terms in terms of power, the I'd say the Marvel equivalent would probably be Thanos. Oh yeah. But but uh, <laughs> but and once again, so many people are gonna hate me for this, but but I happen to believe that Darkseid's a little bit more powerful than Thanos. Oh, Darkseid kicked the crap out of Thanos. Are you yeah. kidding me? That's like a hands-down no-brainer. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but uh, but anyway, um, but yeah, so just really, really awesome. So yeah, check out check that out. New God Saga. Um, and uh, anyway, uh, I guess um, on to your recommendations. I have a book that Maybe a lot of people have read, maybe not. Yeah. Um, it's one that I really liked, um, and it's called The Historian. Oh, nice. And what it's about is the great-great-great-granddaughter mm -hmm. of Vlad the Impaler. The actual Vlad the Impaler yeah. wrote a historical fiction. It's got more historical in it, yeah. but it's got the fictional, like, the whereabouts and stuff like that. Yeah. But it tells her her story and her retelling of her of how she mm -hmm. came to know Dracula and Vlad the Impaler and her studies on him and how she portrays who he was as mm -hmm. a person and his tactics and his war yeah. methods and stuff like that. So it gives you mm -hmm. this different angle um and it, it has zero to do with bram stoker just in case people were no wondering. no this is historical Dracula. yeah and so you've got this you've got this 
ancestor who's talking about Vlad the Impaler in such a way where well, not, not you really feel, ancestor but descendant. Yeah, descendant where you feel that you're actually there mm -hmm. with Vlad the Impaler learning about him. Yeah. Oh, no, it's good. It's good. And that's what I'm saying. So basically what you're looking at is something that's based more in historical fact um, as opposed to um, Bram Stoker's Dracula, which is strictly a fiction. Exactly. It, it's, got, it, it's, it's, it's fiction based on historical fact, mm -hmm. but it's still fiction. Um, you know, where, whereas, um, whereas you said in this case, it's really more steeped in historical fact. Yes. Now... My comic book recommendation it has to go back to who we were talking about. Yeah. Shadowhawk. Uh -huh. I, I can't say enough about this comic. Yeah. I can't say enough about this comic. Yeah. It's amazing. It's fantastic. It's everything that Batman isn't. Well, once I'm again, not trying to knock on Batman, but how I see Batman is how I see Shadowhawk. So, so, so essentially, when uh, when Jim Valentino came up with Shadowhawk, what you're saying is that's that's the kind of Batman that you wanted. Exactly. I envisioned Batman kicking the crap out of people. I imagined him. Well, he, he technically does, but what he what what Shadowhawk does is more effective. Is he basically makes sure that they can't fight ever again. Exactly. So, I I guess in a way I can relate more to Shadowhawk than I can to Batman. And that's why when Jim Valentino came out with Shadowhawk, I was like, holy crap, this is an amazing comic. This is mm -hmm. an amazing concept. This character gets what, it, what it's like to be on the other end of what Batman should have been. Yeah, exactly. So that's my comic recommendation. you got to pick it up. If you don't, you're a fool. Yeah, well, I know, you know, and I wholeheartedly agree with you. It's like, it's like, no, really, it's like, I, I really think that a lot of Jim Valentino's work gets underrated. It really and, does, and 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 that's what I'm saying. Seriously, if you guys don't know what we're talking about, if you can find the original run of Shadowhawk, there was actually two runs. There was a four issue miniseries to set up, and then there was sort of a sequel miniseries, which was another four issues. Exactly, right? and that one's just called, you know. Hilariously enough, just Shadowhawk two. Uh huh. <laughs> um, but uh, but Shadowhawk the sequel. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but anyway, yeah. No, check them out. Check out both stories. Uh, t totally worth it. Maybe short, but it's definitely worth it. It's awesome. Definitely awesome concept. And you know, I hope that in the future he decides to resurrect the character. I would absolutely adore if he would re-resurrect it. Yeah. And maybe make it a huge story arc. Oh yeah, well, and then you know, maybe do what Todd McFarlane does and just like let let you know if because because I know that he doesn't like to draw them as much these days. And I'm gonna try and get through this real quick. But uh, but I think that uh, I I really think it would be awesome if he could maybe get another team on it and then he could like supervise as like as like you know somebody else somebody else help like write and draw it. Oh, I would love the crap out of that. Are you kidding yeah. me? I'd buy every issue. All right. Well, <laughs> I think that about covers everything. So all right. Jared, as always, thanks for being on the show. Your fantastic, knowledgeable brain is amazing. Well, thank you. <laughs> um, as always, be fantastic to each other. Love each other. Lift each other up in these uh, trying times. And for the love of all that's holy, buy our comics. <laughs> www.crazymonkeyinc.com with a K. 
And please check out this podcast as well. You can find us on Spotify. Exactly. Have a fantastic night, and we'll see you guys on Saturday.